0: I'm Jim Beriford. And I'm Randy Resnick. You're listening to Leave the Bottle. And you can find us at leavethebottlepodcast.com. Jim, uh, how did the trip go? Any, Any observations or comments on that at all? You were in a car for how many hours?
1: Uh... Uh, It felt like it was a lot longer than it was, but it was probably over the over one day, maybe seven, eight hours. The next day, a few more hours. But I got to tell you, I've always hated driving in Boston. It's a whole terrible place to drive. And it was just reconfirmed. I haven't driven for years in Boston. Mm-hmm. And it was reconfirmed. Going in actually wasn't too bad from Cape Cod. But coming back, what a nightmare. It took uh, about an hour and a half to go, seven or eight miles because it was late in the afternoon. And it seemed like all of Boston funneled into one highway going going south to back towards the Cape. So, you know, it was what it was. It was but, Chris you know. Christie without Chris Christie, right? Oh, geez. <laughs> I tell you, yeah, well there, there might as well, there might as well have been a bridge gate right there, you know. But uh, other than that, you know, the drive was nice. The, the the Cape is nice this time of year to drive onto and to drive off of. It's not a place you want to do from Memorial Day to Labor Day, but uh, otherwise it's fine. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I spent a day with a family member at uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, and everything is okay now. Good. But But uh, impressive, uh, impressive setup, that house, but I know it's world famous. Uh, but what was interesting is it's a teaching hospital, so I felt ancient sitting out in the hallway while I was... The, on the computer and waiting for my relative and so forth, that these, those flocks and flocks and flocks of young baby doctors I to know. be. And it was just like, oh my God, am I really that old? I'm like, they looked like children. And the thing is, is that obviously if they're interning or if they're, you know, if they're going to medical school, whatever their situation is, and it's at Brigham and Women's, which is a world class hospital, these young people have to be extraordinarily bright and so forth, not Dummies by any stretch, but I just felt so ancient. I was looking at them, and it was like it was just nonstop men and women Doogie housers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I went to see my mother in a in a hospital years and years ago, and this woman came in. It was this is like somebody that I s- knew in high school. Not she wasn't somebody I knew in high school, but she looked like the women who were the kids who were the girls who were in high school with me. And um, I'm looking, I'm like, what is this blonde, uh, nice-looking young woman doing? She says, oh, I'm your mother's doctor, I'm Dr. So-and-so. And I thought, holy, am I old? And that was years ago, so, you know, I'm <laughs> old now. But yeah, that's that. That's a funny, uh, that whole topic of age is a funny thing, and that's another thing I'm flashing on, because I'm getting up there. And, and, and so, when I see people on the street, you get a reaction. Um, and I used to live in Paris, and I was... Paris is a big city and, you know, people are warned, young people are warned not to approach other people on the, you know, big city, blah, 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 deserted street, you don't just go up and talk to people. These adorable uh, girls who were maybe... I don't know, 15, something like that, really cute, a little bit on the made-up side, but not horribly, you know how kids are today, whereas when I was a kid, it wasn't like that, but I'm so they look a lot older, but they're actually, I'm sure they were just barely teenagers, and they're smiling and coming up to me. And you know what? The first thing that's depressing is, you know, that at, at this age, it's not like they're going to come up and, and try to seduce you or anything. Because, you know, you're grandpa. grandpa. <laughs> <My, laughs> yes. the, the girl who cuts, the woman who cuts my hair, who's in her mid-20s probably, we were talking. And um, she told me, this is just a couple of weeks ago now, and she said... Um, I don't know how this came up. And she goes, well, how old are you? And I I said, oh, she says, yeah, you're my grandfather's age. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. Big tip coming up. (laughs) Big tip coming. Uh, Anyway, so these these two young women, these two kids actually came up and they asked me directions. But I mean, the way they were looking at me, it was, I was such a, you know, uncle or grandpa. And it was adorable and heartwarming in
1: one way, but in another way, damn, you know, out of the race.
0: Not a contender.
1: <laughs> it's it's a hard when you all of a sudden – it almost seems like one day it happens. Mm-hmm. One day that realization hits that your perception of you, age-wise, is not everybody else's or many people's perceptions of you. I was always fortunate to look much, much younger than I really am. My mom, it was the same way, and I got that from her. I mean, I was – Kicked out of a bar when I was 33 because I didn't have ID on me. Wow. And, and a bar owner, drinking age being 21 and, at the time. Uh, he says, I'm sure you probably are, but I can't take that chance. And I was laughing. I said, but I'm 33 and I'm a bartender. And he's like, well, you know, if you're a bartender, sir, you should have known better. And you still have <laughs> to leave. He's right. So my friends, yeah, he's right. What are you going to say? And my friends thought, well, they at first they were annoyed, but then it was really funny. So, but that's the last time anything remotely like that happened. But I still, for many years after that, was looked at as much younger uh, than I really am. And it still happens occasionally occasionally but it's i'm finding that it's less and less often now because somebody who i somebody it could be a coworker and it's my birthday and there's okay well how old are you you know tell them okay it's like well you know like this year I'm 52 well not too many years ago there would be like a look oh my god you don't look anything remotely like that and the reactions now are much more <laughs> muted than they used to be and it's like wow that sucks But I always say it beats the alternative.
0: You know, what's cool in California, though, I was at a supermarket. I was at Ralph's Supermarket. It's kind of a semi-upscale supermarket. And we were buying some wine. And, uh, you know, I'm obviously look 21, let's face it. I've got gray hair, gray beard. And um, so when the time came and the checker is checking the wine, she says, could I see some ID, please? (laughs) And it was a joke. I mean, you know, it was the obvious very, very
1: cute and clever joke. Thank you very much. (laughs) Very cool. Well, now if you go to, uh, say, like Fenway Park in Boston every single person gets id'd for beer and there's m- more places mm-hmm. like that so you'll see these young gentlemen in their 70s and 80s in an obvious 70s and 80s who yeah. are getting carded now they're annoyed because <laughs> they're yeah. now they got to fumble through their wallets for their ids or they have to leave the house and make sure they have them so that's a different situation but it is it's a tough day when you realize that uh, a, a pretty young girl is not going to look at you the same way ever again.
0: Well, you know, the worst one that ever in this this thing that happened, this kind of thing, the worst thing that happened to me was I was on a, the tramway here, and I hadn't had a haircut for a while. That might have been contributed to it. And I got on the real crowded tram. Uh, this was last year, and uh, a, a lot of school kids, and it's very crowded with with uh, people in university. And a woman got up and said, "Here, sit down, sir." <laughs> and I mean, that's that's you know, that's the end. <laughs> shoot me, shoot me now.
1: Anyway, when, when people are giving up their seat for you, that's the, it's funny you're talking about all of I that. But I took it, and, and, well, that's and what's you know, embarrassing. I have, all right. I have anyway. a bad back, so. <laughs> uh, but as far as like observations, I don't live in an area where it's conducive to me not to have a car. I'm right. A, I have a 30-mile commute each way to work, so that's just in, it's just not going to happen. So my big thing, because I love observing people, it's one of the reasons I was a bartender for 20 years. It was one of the reasons I worked in restaurants for many, many years. It's one of the things I like about my job now is observing people. But I have to do it a little bit different than you. I have mm-hmm. to do it at stoplights and on the highway. And it's interesting because I go to work at virtually the same time every day, come home virtually the same time every day. I've actually on this highway, this stretch in Connecticut now of probably 20 miles on the interstate, it's many of the same people. After all, you learn the cars and the license mm-hmm. plates and the bumper stickers and then the people. So it's that's kind of interesting that now for the last 10 years or almost, I've shared a daily commute with a lot of these same people and sometimes all of a sudden, because the license plates for whatever reason, I kind of remember them. And all of a sudden, I'll see a license plate and it's a different car, they've traded out their car. So then I get used to that and I'm always pondering as, okay, what are they thinking about? You know, sometimes they'll be smoking a cigarette, sometimes you know you can see they're on their phone or you know they're doing whatever yeah. or they're just scanning the distance thinking about whatever it is they need to think about. Because I'm thinking as I'm driving along, you know, I'm Thinking about what it is I have to do that day. I'm thinking about what it is I did yesterday. Thinking about what I did 20 years ago. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. different thoughts. You, you know, number one, you have time to kill there. You know, um, but it's it's fascinating. Then we'll grow into the city, and a lot of times they'll be getting off at the same exits, and we're doing this dance every day back and forth. And lunchtime's quite often because I work uh, near where Yale University is, so I do a lot of uh, observation. I'll be taking a walk through the campus or cutting around the campus. So I don't get to have what you have in that sense. And I wish I did. I wish I didn't have to pay for a car and and all of that. But I still, because I need that observation of people. I don't bartend anymore. I don't work in that whole industry. So Mm -hmm. I've had to refocus on how I do it but i'm i 'm always fascinated by what 's going through their heads my wife it 's interesting. my wife is always wondering when we 're driving along through neighborhoods at night you know and you 're just looking at the houses mm-hmm. and some houses have the lights on, some are dark you know what are they doing it's just it 's fascinating to both of us okay what's in these all these little houses what 's going on right now
0: yeah i to take that to another level when you 're walking. You are seeing people, uh, and depending on where you are, a lot of times I'm walking in an area where people jog and ride bikes, so it's a little different. Because hey, yeah, they're jogging, and generally it's either the huh, huh, that kind, of, <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing, yeah, uh, which is I don't know what they're thinking about. Probably nothing, you know, or, or not much, or thinking about the exercise. These
1: endorphins again. feel good. These yeah, endorphins. I mean, good. Like,
0: there's that <laughs> level, um, but. You see, when you're walking, you're, you're much more intimate in a certain way. And so I have spent entire days, and this is very weird. Maybe it's in my own mind, but I've spent entire days where you go out and everybody looks like really weird. I don't know if you're familiar with this whole thing about targeted individuals and people who are talking about the lizard people and all that. Not that I give a a grain of credence to that, but there's a whole paranoid movement of that. And so this lizard people, where these people have lizard eyes and stuff. But my point, the reason I even mention that is because there are days when I go out. And I think I'm in the movie where, like, everybody's really weird. And Did you ever see the movie
1: They Live? Because that's what it sounds like. I
0: don't know if that's the movie. There's a movie that has this, where everything's a subliminal message. It's an old science fiction meme, I think, actually. But that could be that movie. And... um so everybody's they're like all aliens or lizard people or whatever whatever you want but the But the point is that there are times when everybody's got the real furtive rego- uh, furtive looks, and everybody's looks guilty of something or like they're looking at me uh, And then there are days, and I had one day in particular where I was walking, it was in Paris, and I was walking the length of the Seine River. And I people were looking at me, and I swear, I felt like I was Jesus Christ in robes walking down. There was this look of love, and I mean love in the sense of um, religious kind of, you know, like I had a halo or something. I don't know what this means. Is it, is it me? Am I crazy? Maybe it's me, and I'm just totally hallucinating. But, but there was just this day, I was on my way to a family lunch, and i was alone and i was walking pretty fast but everybody looked at everybody who looked at me was looking at me like there was something i don't know maybe i was smiling but it was very very strange and walking and looking at people is one of the best things i do all day i just you know it's it's great to look at people look at and then you start thinking where did, i wonder what she thought when she bought that coat did she think that was this is really going to look good on me because honey <laughs> you know or <laughs> Or the, op- you know, uh, the opposite, but just there's a, you got, uh, the point I'm making here, because it doesn't sound like there is one, the point I'm making here is that every human being, just look at what you've lived through yourself. No one gets through, as they say, no one gets out of here alive. No one gets through uh, even 20 or 30 years of life. Without a, a huge, huge inventory of experiences. So when you look at somebody and they're wearing a funny colored coat or, or, you know, a woman's got this weird orange color of hair that doesn't go with her age. But, I mean, there's a whole encyclopedia of humanity in that one human unit, right?
1: Agreed. I agree. Um
0: we talked about summing up, you know, and this is the opposite. You look at somebody and you go, geez, there's a whole life in that bottle,
1: right? Well, it's, it's like I worked for a couple of years in New York City, had to commute in and, and take the subways all the time and early on i was told by people who live there all the time the do's and don'ts this is what you do this is what you don't do mm-hmm. on the subways this is how you look at people this is how you don't look at people particularly you know, certain people you know young you know with gang jackets on this mm-hmm. that and the other thing don't look them in the eye i felt like wow it's like you guys are talking like rabid dogs instead of human <laughs> beings or something you know don't look them in the eye but and at first i was kind of dismissive of this Obviously, educated advice coming from people who have spent real time in the city. And, you know, I kind of had a few situations that were semi-close calls to uh, having trouble develop. And after a while, I did have to realize, okay, I have to listen to these people. But that was kind of a bummer because I was coming from an environment, an open environment, Hmm. outside of the city where I didn't have to think about that. I could just be me. You could just be you. And just me looking at you wasn't enough to maybe get me shot. Right and in you know in New York City and there's wonderful great people. I love New York City, so it's not. I'm not trying to paint a broad brush of the of New York City as a just horrible dangerous place because it's not. But. Y- I did. In some ways, I kind of felt a little bit ripped off, and that I didn't get to experience some things that I thought that I would get to. Because after a while, I felt very on guard, day after day of going in. And and I was, uh, for my job, I was carrying very expensive electronic equipment. I mean, worth thousands and Mm -hmm. thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. in this in a in this case. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get robbed of it or anything like this. So I kind of had to try to melt into the scene. which really is kind of impossible in some ways for me because of like something I mentioned on the last show I don't. I've not really afforded that a luxury of completely melting into a scene, but it was very interesting that um, there there were almost like rules rules to riding the subway. I don't know how it is in Paris that way. I don't know if you have to be that guarded.
0: Well, first like, of all, well, first of all, you have to. I'm sure this is true in every city that has a, a mass uh, transit which is that you do have, particularly subway, by the way, for some reason, because buses are buses probably the world round. Right. But in subways, you- it's a funny paradigm, and that's why so many um, movies show people in sub- <laughs> subways, because you're trapped. You're underground, you're trapped. And, um, yeah, there's a- first of all, there's a whole bunch of things about riding it as far as getting stuff stolen. So you do need to be aware, for example that certain seats are really easy to get to and they're near the doors. So you don't um, have like your brief, your obvious laptop bag uh, on your knees in in a way that's really easy to grab from behind and then just jump out that door. So, I mean, there's a few little things like that. As far as looking at people, one of the things that you learn... And again, this is probably universal, too. You can always look at the people in the other car when the trains cross. So if you're at the station and there's two things, you can do anything. I mean, you could even be, do horribly rude gestures or what It doesn't matter because they're never going to catch you. And uh, that's—but I mean, not that I would recommend or do it myself. I'm just saying that—but you can kind of stare um, and look at people in a more uh, frank manner, whereas you have to really be careful when you're in the same car— You're looking at people. The other thing is, in trains in this country, when the cell phones first became ubiquitous, it was like uh, horrible, and it was true of all ages. There would be the old people who got the phone for Christmas and didn't know how to answer it, so the phone would be ringing for like half hour, Uh, plus they didn't know how to set it to voicemail, so maybe it wasn't going to it, and they're trying to answer it, and so on. Then they speak louder because they're hard of hearing. And, uh, and so on. Then it became mostly young people. And I was in one train where some guy was making calls. It was still a little bit of a novelty. So he's making call after call. And somebody finally said, look, you know, that's enough. Everybody can hear you making this call. Everybody in the, in the car. And we're sick of it. And he goes, well, I was doing this and I was doing that. And everybody turned around and said, that's right, STFU. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And that you was know, uh, funny. I mean, there's been a lot of that. And just before you go, I just want before you say what you had to say, I just want to say that that's why I totally voted against uh, playing, um being able to make phone calls on flights because because I I think that would lead to pandemonium. I really do. I think that there'd be major fights going on only because people. We insist on making calls where they're not saying anything and you're sharing that and you're sitting next to them. Anyway, what
1: were you gonna say? oh, i I absolutely agree. And the thing is is on a plane, you're trapped, yeah, at least at least on a train you can go to the next car to escape it, even if momentarily. Mm-hmm. One thing my wife and I noticed last year, we were going for a weekend to Washington, D.C., and Amtrak now has a quiet car. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's about time. It's about time, because it just has gotten ridiculous. And that's respected? Or
0: is that respect? I mean, is it yes. pretty much false? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, we found, I think, only one person for a minute or two who broke that rule, but the funny thing was every other car was packed like sardines mm-hmm. the quiet car There was maybe five, six, seven of us the entire time from Connecticut through New York, all the way to Philly, all the way to Washington. It was like people were allergic to it. People were like, you know what? If I can't talk anytime I want, if I can't play my tablet anytime I want at the volume I want, if I can't listen to music, I don't want to sit in there at all. And it was actually kind of interesting Mm. that people would rather have been jammed up tight in the other cars than to be in that quiet car. And it, it was kind of telling in that sense. Um, I have a really, really funny train story. For mm-hmm. oh, yeah, let's Oh my go with gosh. It. But one of the last thing on subways for me is, is Montreal subways are the safest I've ever been on. And Montreal, my wife and I go up quite often because it's only about a five hour drive and we've never had any problems. I've never felt threatened up there, no matter morning, noon or night. Toronto is a close one, but Montreal, absolutely. It's, I don't know what it is about there, but I'm sure stuff happens, but we've never seen it, and all the times we're on the metro there. So. Yeah,
0: but maybe everybody's speaking French saying, you see that guy over there? He's looking
1: at... <laughs> oh, oh, my wife. Way my, my wife had a very, very bad experience <laughs> by, by a French waitress who treated us like garbage, so it's like, she just, she tries hard not to equate all French now like that, but she has a very, very... And when I took her to Quebec City last year, and she ended mm-hmm. up loving it, and the people were wonderful, but when I talk about Montreal now, she's like, she'll go, because she loves Montreal, but oh, they're going to be really nasty to us, the French people. And she said, and you're one of them because I'm French Canadian. I'm mm-hmm. part of and, uh she said, And she's like, and you're one of them. <laughs> it's like, you know, don't blame everybody just because one waitress was extremely rude to us.
0: You know, there's, there's a funny little segue um, on that, which is that um, my wife is uh, is French and we were in Belgium. And, you know, Belgium is multilingual. It's French, Flemish, French and Flemish. That's it, I think. So um, there's... There's a sensitivity there, and the rule—French people go there, and they just speak French. Well, my wife is more clever than the average person, so she would always ask very nicely, do you speak French? And that cleared it up. Because if they don't, you're not forcing them to answer. It's an interesting little tiny detail of human uh, behavior. So wherever we went—plus and we were in an area where they probably don't— but the point is us she her asking them helped things because if people didn't, then we maybe would try English or something or whatever or, or point to the item on the menu, whatever it is. but apparently the arrogance. Of just and by the way, Americans are horribly guilty of this. Where everybody's supposed to speak English all over the world, so you just say it louder if they didn't get it the first time. Uh, (laughs) We're the
1: worst at that. We're not not
0: bad. We're the worst at that. uh, Mostly because very few Americans speak a second language. But but the point is big deal. Whatever, just don't come over here. By the way, (laughs) we were talking about food and the difference cultural difference here. We're all over the place, but I love that. I think that's part of Mm. part of what we do.
1: This is all about a conversation. But I really absolutely.
0: But I wanted to tell you this because I think you'll love this. So I was on a like a Photoshop forum or something like that, a, some Adobe thing. Has nothing to do with anything. And the guy said, um, "Oh yeah, you're you're in France." And I said, "Yeah." So the guy said, um, "Oh, my wife and I visited France uh, to, last year." So I said, w- "Naturally." I said, "What did you think of it?" He said, "Well, there weren't that many buffet restaurants." <laughs> that was. The- <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay,
0: all right. It makes it
1: fancier if you say a buffet. <laughs>
0: well, the point being, what he meant was all you can eat.
1: Yeah. And I yeah. mean,
0: hello. hello, what is your weight, sir? I don't know. It's just that I, whole I mean, expectation. Is, well, that it's whole
1: expectation. So, it's so American. Hell, I just was just at breakfast at a breakfast buffet. At Whole Foods, no, you know, oh, Whole Foods, great, with with some family, yeah, Ugh, no. It Wait, was, Whole Foods, oh, oh. Whole Foods, the
0: supermarket, Whole Foods, or? yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No. And yeah. they, they have the whole breakfast buffet. I didn't know that. And oh, sounds It's good. over, it's overpriced. It was good, but it's way overpriced and way too much. And I mean, you're going through, and it's a hot bite. you they you pay by how much you know how many pounds are on your plate Mm -hmm. you have big thick texas toast french toast and this that it's like i was driving back back here to to do this show and i was like i was almost sick to my
0: stomach. Ah, said, you fell ridiculous. into the
1: trap. Oh my gosh, yes. It's horrible. That's why I don't typically like going to those places because that's what ends up happening. You eat until you get sick. But um,
0: That's yeah. how I am on the road when I go to these hotels. If I'm in a decent hotel where they have a really, really good buffet and we were, we were I was in one, I went to a conference that had, it was in Madrid, I think, and they had just, it was a huge area and they were an extremely internationalized hotel. So they They'd have a whole table of like raw fish for Japanese people or wh- whoever eats that kind of thing. Then they had they had a lot of Asian stuff. They had a lot of stuff from all over the world. And you know what? When you get there, you really want to taste a lot of that stuff. Morning may not be the ideal time, but, you know, <laughs> you're there. And And let's face it, I never eat bacon at home. We don't make it. We don't get it. We can't. But if I see it and it looks like it's cooked the way I like it, I could sit there and
1: just eat, you know, a pound and a half of it. So that's, that's, one, a of big few problem, things, that's one of the things traveling. That's one of the that's one of the few things as a vegetarian that I really really miss is is bacon.
0: You never and, deviate uh, from the vegetarian thing?
1: No, no, it's been well, that's uh, interesting. seven. And it's been 7 years now and my wife actually went vegan uh, this last year. And other than um, other than cheese on pizza and the occasional egg, I don't. Everything else is vegan. Yeah, so it's been like seven years now. As a matter of fact, the other night I was uh, I went out to dinner with my brother-in-law and we went to Outback Steakhouse. And he's like, oh, "What are you going to do?" You know, and mm-hmm. saying, I "I can. I, I've gotten creative. I can build my own meal, which is what I did." Mm-hmm. But going away for like my wife and I, it's really tough, um, especially because we tend to go to very more remote places like Newfoundland and uh, out west, well, Moab, Utah. You know, places mm-hmm. way out, no, out, way off the beaten path. I mean, if you're in Chicago, New York. Toronto, places like that. You can find a million vegetarian uh, places to eat, but if you're out in the middle of nowhere, it really it's, it's tough I mean yep. this last this last year we went to uh, the upper peninsula of Michigan for a week uh, Lake Superior and that whole area very very remote out in the middle of nowhere for the most part and we knew we were going to be so my wife for like four days ahead of time is our, she's making and baking vegan snacks mm-hmm. vegan foods for, to prepare for us that we could bring on our trip because we drove out 15-16 hours each way and then all the driving we were doing there it's not easy uh, when we we're in Newfoundland, not easy. But you know, that's it's the lifestyle we've chosen. So uh, if we, you know. If we have to suffer a little bit, we have to suffer a little bit. You know, we don't really look at it as suffering. It, it's this, just it's our way of life.
0: This is a great topic. I'm glad I I didn't know that about you, and I'm glad to to uh, talk about it a little bit because uh, my wife and I also are we're not vegetarians, we're not vegans, but we eat very little meat, much reduced meat. Uh, the chagrin of the butcher who's right across the street is is evident any time I go in there. Uh, I, yeah, I, I could live without meat. That would not be a problem for me. But since we don't have any particular principle guiding us, we're omnivores. And we're trying to be locavores as well, because there's a lot of things you can buy around here that come from around here. But the first question I would ask you would be the reasoning. When I was... um about 20, 30 years ago, God, now, uh, I was working with somebody who was a vegetarian. He was raising his kids as vegetarians, and they had problems with their peers over that. Um, and I asked him, well, well, why are you guys vegetarians? Is that curiosity? And he said, Well, you know, the food chain thing, the, the whole uh, sustainable, and so on. So I would ask you that same question what is, What's the reasoning? Is it health wise, or is it sustainability, or what? And, is, is it, and did this come from your wife? Obviously, it's not your idea, I would guess. No, What's her no, thing? actually.
1: No, no, you oh, wouldn't be wrong on that. No, it was actually quite a, it was a joint venture. Mm-hmm. However, what happened was we were watching a documentary, or not a documentary, we were watching a news program, mm-hmm. and it was about uh, how animals are, you know, killed for mm-hmm. our food and they were showing a conveyor belt with little chicks yep and the chicks that were yeah the chicks that were healthy were going to one side to be you know raised and brought up the chicks that weren't the conveyor belt moves to the other direction and they're ground up and killed instantly. And we were both sitting on the couch, just very, very quiet watching this. And then when they showed, they actually showed the conveyor belt with the the chicks that were decided weren't good enough to go one direction that were going off, knowing full well that seconds later, that was it. I broke down. I just absolutely, I can barely even talk about it now. I broke down in hysterics. I I was absolutely crushed. I mean, now we have a, slew of cats and dogs. Uh, my wife works. She's the the head of uh, the nursing staff at a veterinary hospital. As she went cool. to college for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an epiphany. That was an epiphany. And uh, in that moment, we, and we just looked at each other and we said, we can't do this. We can't. And I'm not trying to sound judgmental. That's everybody's choices in life are their choices in life. And I come from dairy farmers. That's the funny mm-hmm. part is yeah, I come is. from dairy farmer where, you know, getting up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning to milk the cows and, and all of that stuff. And I always ate meat. I always, you know, loved it all. I mean, that, you- was, that was part where I came from. But then after that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we watched uh, Fast Food Nation, oh, the movie yeah. Fast Food. Mo- yeah. And... I, uh, you know what? I really I'm not trying to. Um, the one-two no, punch. I have no interest in converting anybody or anything because it's such. No, a no. This is a very decision. personal.
0: This is a very personal thing. I was just curious about, and th- this is interesting what you're saying. So this is a kind of a conscience raising where you
1: saw these two things and you go,
0: hey, I can't condone this. I can't be a part of it. Right? No, uh,
1: no. Nope. And the thing is, is I acknowledge I do have a certain issues more so with the vegan community than I do with the vegetarian mm-hmm. community. But I do have issues with some people in both because there's an expectation of perfection. Like because I do have because I have cheese on my pizza, there are people in the vegan community who consider me no different than you eating meat. That I'm still that even if you contribute in any way, shape, or form, Mm -hmm. you're just as bad. Number one, life just is not that pat. It's not that pat. And the other thing is, is they I acknowledge freely that when I'm eating vegetables. When I'm eating fruits, when I'm eating a soy and so forth, that the process involved in collecting all of that involved displacing and or the killing of insects, bugs, uh, animals that had to be displaced from the land where all of that was grown. So, yes, I'm still contributing... You know, there's no way of getting around that. It's kind of like what you said earlier. Nobody in here gets out alive. Mm-hmm. No one, no one eats in a perfect way no. that involves absolutely no destruction of another sentient being. And I consider that. And I've had people tell me, "How can you place, you know, that that field mouse mm-hmm. on the same par as as you?" And it's like, it's my belief. I'm sorry, I but you have to at least acknowledge. Without, so you're not a hypocrite. And mm-hmm. that's my problem a lot of times with a lot of the, the hardcore people is that, is that they're hypocrites and at least you have to acknowledge that. And that's why, therefore, that's why I don't judge people like you. I don't judge all my family. Every last one of them eats meat and happily so. Mm-hmm. I don't judge them. It's our own choices along the way. And, and I, I think that's
0: fantastic. Uh, I, I don't want to talk mm-hmm. about guns, but I wanted to mention simply what you just said reminds me of so many polarizing issues. Guns are yes. one of them. And yes. the fact is that almost everybody always has it wrong, especially on the Internet. You know, It's all this absolute, well, you don't understand, you're an idiot, blah, blah. The, the point is... You do what you feel is right, and you have a reason for doing it. So the, the denialists—is that a word? Are as, I mean, there's no difference between being polarized on one side or being polarized on the other. You've got right. to look at, as I said earlier, the human unit. You've got this thing in a bottle that's a human being. And I mean, we can't—we're not perfect. There's no way we're ever going to be perfect. Uh, what we try to do is, for health reasons, I don't think it's great to eat meat all the time. People who eat a lot of meat, like our—it's funny because people who are kind of, I would consider in denial, are very much uh, upfront about it. And again, this is kind of—again, I don't want to talk about guns, but I'm saying it's very similar, this whole thing of, well, you don't know what you're talking about. On either side, it's always weird to me because— I don't judge people either who eat meat. Hey, if you want to eat steak every night, fine. I don't particularly want to eat steak every night. We eat meat maybe once a meat once a week, by the way, and we do eat fish. And this is what we like. And we try to we try to be local when we can. Uh, we live in a region where there is meat grown and so on. I had a question for you though, a specific one, which is, if your family was a dairy farm, and assuming that they may have. Now, I don't know if this is how this works in the industry, but we're talking about family farming now. The family farm might kill a cow and butcher it. Did that ever happen in dairy farming, or does it not because it's dairy and we don't butcher butcher animals?
1: Yeah, it, it's it's different there. It's but two different things. Yeah, it's two different. I mean, I can only speak for my. Uh, I can only speak for my family's farm, but no, that wasn't the case.
0: Well, the reason I ask the reason I asked that question, and I'm going to ask it again, but I'll, let me clarify. The reason I asked the question is because if you were talking about A family farm, which then, you know, they've got pigs and they butcher the pig as against the industrial butchering of animals, where they do it because the true farmers in families love their animals. And you know that when it comes time to kill the pig, first of all, they feel something. Second of all, they do it in the absolute most humane way possible. Unlike, say, somebody with a bow and arrow who's not very good at it out in the woods, you know, or the industrial. So would that make any difference to you at all if you were talking about the family? In other words, if if your brother-in-law was raising beef and you knew they were doing it, no, that wouldn't do it for you
1: i I Still would not good. Not, i I would absolutely not like it no. okay, but you would, uh, you uh, wouldn't uh,
0: condemn him because they
1: would he would be doing
0: it the right way, but you're that's you're not gonna eat that meat.
1: I don't know if it, it's not so much a matter of condemning. I guess well, you I condemn little, the industrial.
0: You would well, definitely. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, I, mean,
1: I, I defy or, anybody. I defy anybody to watch just the last five minutes of Fast Food Nation yeah. and come and come back to me and tell me that the industry is okay. Yes, yeah. it's not. No. And this this free. And now you're going to get me on this tangent. But this whole free range. That's just to feel good, so people can yep. feel good about the decisions they're making, yep. and where they can't even be honest. Feel good. A free range is just a bullshit. It, um yeah. misnomer for they they barely get anything more than if you had just kept them penned up the whole time mm-hmm. but for yeah, so maybe I do actually have a little bit more problem with people eating meat than i 'm letting on okay but um i to me it 's just just be honest acknowledge acknowledge mm-hmm. the end of that animal 's life acknowledge that. I've always said, maybe it's because I have a lot of native uh, American heritage, that like people like uh, Eskimos, people, you know, Inuits, actually is the proper mm-hmm. term for them now, that you know, live off the land that way. That hunt and gather, as our you know forefathers many many generations ago did, them I don't have any problem with. I don't have a problem with that. I have a major problem with the with the way. Forget about what's injected into foods now. Forget what forget GMO and all of that. I mean, the stuff that's being pumped into these animals to be fed to our families is just, it, to me, it's a criminal offense. What's going on? Antibiotics,
0: for example, yeah,
1: oh, oh, it's terrible. It's still, well, and now all of a sudden, people are getting sick, and they're not getting better because these super viruses. Yeah. Well, because they've, you know, that's kind of getting back to the whole medical thing. One quick thing. Yep. My wife told me this morning she's uh, studying in a medical field. She's kind of going to be making uh, certain uh, career changes. And angina, you know, chest pains, angina, yep. mm-hmm. they are actually teaching people now to no longer call it angina. The reason being, and you're going to fall over, <laughs> it's for the politically correct police because it sounds too much like vagina. Oh, Jesus. They're, now they're teaching them to say angina. Oh come on! N- that's T- totally nuts. You just N- gave us a title T- for this. <laughs> Absolutely, that should be the title of this. Episode. I said, to no, her, I thought nuts. she was kidding because because she has a my wife has an awesome sense of humor. I thought she that's was kidding. That's crazy. But, and she said, "I kid you not. I kid you not." She said, "The PC police. They're teaching people now." To say it, angina. Because and I've always teased her. There's this uh, city in Saskatchewan Jeez. called Regina. So I've always teased her about, you know, oh, my favorite name in my city is Regina. But that's what they're doing now. And I was just like, oh my god, okay. <laughs> so I just had to. I just yeah. Had to that's that I was, that's pretty. <laughs> that is that
0: is that is pretty incredible.
1: Life is too short to change a word because it sounds like another word. A- and a- why are that. you that are you that worried about that word? Ooh, vagina. Vagina, that's a dirt, well, that's a hurt That's a dirty word. Ooh. Well, it's the, like,
0: the point on. is, it isn't. I mean, if if, no. if if when you had chest pains, they called it pussy. That'd be a whole <laughs> different story. You know what I mean? A vagina <laughs> is some kind of. It's already a wacky word that you know no one uh, ever wants to pronounce, only because it's so so weird. You know. It's well, that's not like a dirty word.
1: No, like that woman's play, though the Vagina Monologues. Exactly, that's just like the greatest title maybe ever to a yeah. one person to a one person play. I saw. So that. I just, my my uh, sister in law just saw it a couple of weeks ago. What she and, think? And I, love, I don't know. I have to ask her on that. Oh, you know what I, I meant. Sure. I still have that. I still have that train story, but I don't know that. Oh,
0: we more never of, got to it. Let's get back that, to the train. That might be
1: a, okay. I'll, I'll do on, the readers. Do I'll do the readers digest because it's really funny yeah. to think about at the same time. I'm, I've, after 1991, I had had a, a, a bust up in my decade long relationship of living some, with somebody like two years earlier, and I was still licking my wounds and all that stuff. So I moved down to Florida for a period of time. My folks had a condo down there, and they was like, oh, you can stay here for a few months. And, um, Said so, okay, so I went down there, and I'm down there, and I'm like not doing productive stuff like I should have been doing. I wasn't going out finding work or anything. I was just kind of I had just gotten a tiny, small, little inheritance. It wasn't much. It was just enough to keep me in beer and cigarettes for a couple of months, and that was pretty much it. It's all you need. So yeah, it's pretty much yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. And so my mom calls me one day, and she because I knew she was bringing my seventy-some, uh, eighty-something-year-old grandmother down for the winter. And she's like, Well, we just got on the road and we're like in New York and I'm not feeling well and your grandmother's not feeling well. Could you come up and drive us down to Florida? Like 1,200, 1,300 miles. I said, Sure, absolutely, no problem. But I didn't fly because I had issues with flying at that point. So I said, Can you just stay where you are for the night and I'll take a train up? There and then I'll drive you guys down. So she's like, okay, fine. And there was a train leaving in a couple hours out of Tampa going up to New York and we were going to meet in Washington. So I get on, I get on the train and I hadn't dated anybody in those two years, and I was still just feeling sorry for myself and kind of in that just horrible little place in between relationships. And so I'm going to the bar car, and all of a sudden, I was just, wow, this beautiful young girl. I'm just beautiful, brown hair, brown eyes, and all stuff. And so I went up to get a beer, and she said, hi. I said, hi. And she's like, can I buy you a beer? Like I hadn't Whoa. had a woman ever buy me beer. I said, <laughs> okay, sure. And so then all of a sudden this little boy pops up next to her and says, Hey, it's her son. So so we go and she makes small talk for a minute and we go and we sit down at one of the tables. And he's a just a cute little kid, maybe five or six, something like that. Not if that. And so he says, My mommy just got out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said well, excuse me said, my dad my mommy just got out of jail and she turns beat red just beat beat red and she's like hush hush blah 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 and he's like well it's true you did she was coming down apparently to pick him up from her parents and bring mm-hmm. him back to north carolina and I, it, it, she didn't go into it, but it sounded something minor and small and mm-hmm. she had this wonderful beautiful southern accent, and so for the next couple of hours we talked and we had A couple more beers, and at one point she put her son back in the the other car to to lay down. And it was like the first time in my life that I ever actually almost fell instantly in love. I was just all of a sudden madly and passionately (laughs) in something with this girl. And I was like, okay, well, she's in North Carolina. I got nothing really going on in Florida. You know, I could go up there. You know, I just bring my mom and my grandmother down and all that stuff. Well, as the hours went along, she ended up having to go back to her seat, and you know, my life was not going to be going to North Carolina after all. Hmm. So I'm in the bar car and I'm drinking with some other new friends that I met and got drinking some more and some more. And the next thing I know... I feel somebody shaking my shoulder, sir, sir, and shaking my shoulder, sir, sir, wow, wow. wow. I'm like looking up and I see a family and they're looking at me and they have breakfast and they're just the the look of horror on the parents' faces and the little kids looking at me with bewilderment. And I look over to another bar car table and it's another family. It's morning. I had passed out on one of the bar car tables. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm looking all around and I'm just like, and it was like one of the conductors that was shaking me awake and i'm like how do i get out of this situation i'm horrified i'm embarrassed i'm still drunk (laughs) so i finally get up off the bar car table and the whole car is just looking at me with hate just like disgust and terrible so i walked through and i went over to the to the the bartender guy there i'm like hey can i get a can I hear the dog yeah, a little hair of the dog. And he's like, are you kidding me? I said, come on, I'll feel a lot better now. And he's like, no. And so he just reaches over and gives me a coffee. He's like, sir, you need that. Mm. So I'm like, well, where are we? He's like, we're just about in Richmond. And I'm like, oh, shit. We're going to be in Washington in like an hour and a half. I'm meeting my mother and my grandmother. I'm still drunk. Nicely done. Yeah, nicely done. Well played. So then I go back to the other, I go into one of the other cars and I run into a couple of the people who I'd been drinking with the night before. They are laughing hysterically. They think it's funnier than hell because I had told them during that I was getting off in Washington mm-hmm. and like my hair is all over the place. I'm just, I'm a mess. So um, they thought it was the funniest thing ever. So I, go, I try to brush my teeth and all that stuff. So we pull into Washington, cars, stops, train stops. I see my mom and my grandmother out waiting for me. I'm like, oh man, this is not going to be good. I grab my stuff, <laughs> get off the car and I see through the window the couple of my drinkers and compadres from the night before laughing hysterically as they see me. My mother takes one look at me and she's just shaking her head. she goes, "I can't believe you did this I can't believe you did this and my grandmother's like whats what's wrong with him mom he he's drunk <laughs> My That's grandmother's cool. like, my grandmother's like, it's the morning. What happened? And I tried to explain the girl that I had fallen madly in love with instantly and that my, all my hopes and dreams for those couple hours were dashed. And so I had to soothe myself afterwards with all my new best friends. It didn't go well. So my mom drove us to Richmond and we had to stop. Here was still the morning. We had to stop till the next day. Till I <laughs> now, I, t- I tell that in laughing twenty some odd years later. But mom, when you're listening to this, you can stop reminding me about it now. Not a
0: comfortable I've, moment.
1: I've served my sentence on that. It was it was a long next couple of days to Florida after wow. that. <laughs>
0: Excellent so story. I've, Excellent story. Yeah. I think we need to call this, even though it's a minor part of it, the Angina Monologues.
1: I love that. I love that. that hey, work? are you watching the, oh, the angina monologues! Absolutely. Are you going to be watching the Oscars? Do you guys get the Oscars a, live well, over there? Is no, a, it's we going would to be in the middle of the night.
0: No, we could get it on the internet. But uh, I'm not a big Oscar person. I might be interested, vaguely interested in if somebody won. I might be outraged that they won too many awards or something. But I'm not. I'm not huge on it really. Yeah, what I am I'm watching be- though, that you, you under your suggestion was *Idiot Abroad*, which I think is very funny. I don't know how long that. That thing is gonna. That thing is gonna work. I've watched the first four or three or four. Very funny. Really good. Um, I like Stephen Merchant, by the way, and uh, of course um, uh, the Office. What's his name? Um, the other guy. Uh, Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais, brilliant. Of course, it. those guys are both brilliant uh, British comedians, and um, Carl Pink- Pilkington is great. I don't. I don't know. You know, obviously he's. He's joking around. I mean, he's he's a comedian, too. So, Right. But the whole thing is just, it's very, very cleverly done. And I just watched the one where they were in Israel and Jordan and
1: stuff. <laughs> he, he was all worried about terrorism. When well, he was I mean, a-
0: plus they go and kidnap <laughs> him. I don't want to get too much into <laughs> yeah. that, but people should yeah. go watch it. It's a great suggestion. I didn't find Amber. Um, I haven't looked on Netflix yet. You say it's on there. I will. Uh, yeah. I look in other places first to make it easier. Um, it's on
1: Netflix in America. I don't know about over. Well, like, that's
0: where I am. But, that's where I am. I'm well, in America. Well, I, I, far yeah. As Netflix knows, I'm in America. Sure, but I'll, I I'll look. look for, I'll look for
1: that. Yeah. But but the
0: idiot abroad. The idiot abroad was was a good choice. Um, I'm looking forward this evening to watching the next episode of Banshee, which is basically a lot of sex, a lot of nudity, and uh, a lot of fighting. But it is. It's a very compelling story. Of morality and um, it's on what is it Shota no, uh, no Cinemax. Um, Cinemax Cinemax so uh, Cinemax. she uh, the woman who who's actually my least favorite character she's a very nice actor but she, the character's not great uh, but she was going to be on that hangout with Maria Kiban I don't know if you've ever Kiban uh, have you ever seen that but I've been on her hangouts she does them on Google Plus it's My Fox La I think is the page. I've talked to people from different TV shows. It's kind of fun. I'm not, by the way, I'm not a fawning fan of anybody. Uh, but if you have a chance to exchange a couple of words with somebody, it's kind of fun. And she was going to be on it. And I was going to ask about the the nudity scenes and how that was, you know, filming, how it is filming stuff when you've got 20 strangers standing there watching you with cameras. And... um I was surprised by it and somebody said well they're pra- they're practically soft foreign anyway cinemax yeah, that's see, why I they don't know it, it, that why they call it, they call it
1: skinamax right really.
0: oh cool <laughs> yeah. uh-huh, see Skin-a-Max. I don't know that this is
1: the advantage yeah. of being a foreign uh, yes. is
0: that I did not know that so I'm you know telling my wife well look at it, we got this new thing I've heard my brother told me about it. it's supposed to be good it's it comes from a co- from a comic book actually uh called banshee and it's here's a story and all that but it's pretty, you're not watching it I take it right we have asked you before. I I
1: start, started actually. I've started to watch it, and I'm going to watch it again. And here is here is my recommend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this early this week because it sure. actually ties in right to Banshee. Mm-hmm. Anthony Starr, the star of Banshee. Yeah, he's great. He's a New Zealand actor. Mm-hmm. He and this is on Netflix. It's seven seasons. It is one of the best shows we've watched in the last twenty years. It's a New Zealand TV series uh-huh. called Outra- Outrageous Fortune. I'm writing it
0: down all, right now.
1: Outrageous. outrageous Fortune, all seven years are on and you got to watch them from the beginning to the end. And it's actually a play on Shakespeare. Uh-huh. It's about, it's about a, a family that was always criminals and the head, uh father of the, them goes to jail. So they decided the mother decides we're going to go straight now. It's a, dramedy it's mm-hmm, drama mm-hmm. but a lot of comedy it's very funny too the father of that show is the star of uh, this the Sci uh defiance on sci-fi oh show. yeah he's great he, too yeah like he's him. he was yeah he was on um he was on ugly betty for a while he was on uh true blood for a while but he played wolf on outrageous fortune as hmm. the uh as the uh the father who's in and out of jail but it's the escapades of this family as because most of them really want to just still be criminals mm-hmm. because they like because they're good at it and they like it. Well, Anthony Starr, the star uh, of Banshee, he plays two roles. He plays twin brothers, huh. one one who's a lawyer and one who's a stoner. Ne'er do well <laughs> with a heart with a heart of gold. The lawyer's a total scumbag, but the other, yeah, Jethro and Van, he plays two characters in it, and it's actually got the coolest bromance. <laughs> that you'll ever see these um uh with this uh Moray, uh, the natives to New uh-huh. Zealand are Mores, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's this Moray um, Munter and his stoner character uh Jethro and they are hysterical together. They're just two screw ups, but they mean well. And they they do criminal stuff.
0: That sounds that sounds really good. Um, it's a lot the, it's a lot of fun. Banshee of fun. Banshee has two characters um that I really like and I think are probably very popular characters. One is the um, oh, what's his name? He's a famous actor too. He's he's uh, Asian, and he plays kind of like a. Um I don't know how you pronounce How do you say this? Whether it's he's gay or cross-dresser or transsexual or something. If you've watched the series, you've seen him already. He's, he's uh, Yeah,
1: at the beginning, he was okay. a computer expert or, was yeah, it, or something,
0: something like that. that. And I the watched other, the first two episodes. Okay. And the other guy is the bar who was a – he's a former heavyweight champion, I think, a boxer at any rate. And, and he's black. And it's interesting because those are the two richest characters. Um, they're not the most important, but they're really – really two very rich characters. And they add, uh, in the case of the uh, of the Asian actor, he adds, and he, I think he's been in a million things, I think he's very famous, I just can't think of his name, and I, I'm not familiar with him. But anyway, they both add a lot of... Um, humor to the thing. And if you don't have humor in something that's that hard cuz this is a very very Banshee is a very very hard. It's bloody, it's gritty, you know. So, it's like Breaking Bad if you don't Breaking Bad didn't have much humor by the way, actually, very little. But this is no. makes it easier. It makes the violence and the blood a little more palatable. And I personally appreciate that. I can't stand a constant horrible bloodiness without a little Black humor. And that's why I like Sons of Anarchy. And they'll be coming back uh, in
1: fall, I guess. That's Shakespeare on motorcycles. Then you have to watch Outrageous Fortune and give it a shot. A couple couple of shows. And um, do you watch Justified?
0: I don't. I looked at one or two. You know, the other problem is you. We have both have spouses, and you need to get the spousal. Either you watch alone on your exercise bike or whatever, or you know, when she's not there. But I gave that one up because it didn't. It didn't get me right away. My brother had a huge recommendation. He thinks it's great. A
1: lot of people like it. Best show on television. I'm sure it's. I'm sure in my opinion, it's the best written show on television.
0: Yeah, it looked good. I watched one or two, but, you know, like I said, she didn't, she didn't, uh, Flash on it right away. So there are so many other things that we can watch together. Right. That I, I and I, by I still, the way, by the way, here's the surprising thing. I actually got her to watch Banshee, and she likes it. We joke about the violence because these guys are fighting for like 20 minutes. You go, come on, get out of here. The guy'd be dead by now <laughs> if somebody hit you that many times. You'd be gone. You know. Right. But anyway, it's it's a cartoon. It is a actually it is a comic book. Whatever they call that kind of fiction. The comic. And you're bookers. not watch,
1: And you're not gonna watch the Americans, right? You didn't I don't.
0: Like you know what? Now we did watch that and we could have, but for some reason I watched the first few and I, I did not click on it. Um, hmm. we've talked about this before. I don't I can't explain it. I thought it was like cruel and mean, but and yet it's hugely successful. People love it, critics love it, it's highly acclaimed. I it just didn't do it for me for some reason. The,
1: the creator of it, I was reading the other day that the creator of it actually was a CIA agent um, huh. after college and after doing a few things. He was in the CIA. He, that was his job was to recruit people. for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it for four or five years and then he left. He saw the price it paid on people and, and the cost in mm-hmm. human life and so forth and he didn't want to be involved in it anymore. So he left that, went into writing did mm-hmm. the, for I guess television and so forth. That's why a lot of the people have said in the intelligence and uh, in Industry that because it's set in the 80s, yeah, that it's spot on as far as the disguises and as far as it's set as the, in the, the 80s. Wait, wait a second,
0: yeah. it's set in the 80s. I thought it was set in the Cold yeah. War. The Cold War wasn't the 80s, yeah. was
1: it? Sure, was am sure I was. so
0: old that I don't even? I mean, the Cold War was when I was a kid, like
1: in the 70s. No, the Cold War didn't really end until the Berlin Wall was or, when was yeah, it? Berlin Wall 89. 89, yeah. Okay. And then the Soviet Union broke up in 91. Well, I'm not... But yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's set, set in 80 or 81. Okay. Was, Reagan had just taken office at that point. Okay, so,
0: 81. Interesting you mentioned the name 81, the, the year 81, because 81 is when I moved to Europe. Ah, so that's so, yeah, why so, I don't know anything about that either, I guess.
1: Exactly. No, it's it's you know it's interesting that for about five years, my wife and I, all we watched was uh, from Canadian satellite. I went up mm-hmm. to Montreal and I bought a satellite system from Canadian TV, installed it there. And I got really out of touch with America. And yeah. I was living in America. Right. I was living in America, but right. without watching any local TV, without watching any American networks, watching strictly Canadian programming, Canadian TV. I mean, they showed American TV shows, but as far as the news, as far as everything else was so radically different than everything I see now that I was completely out of touch with. And I'm an internet hound and I still was out of touch with. So, so I get what you were saying there. But the, yeah, the Americans,
0: the thing about the like Americans,
1: spines... Well, the thing about the Americans,
0: Jim, is that you know that... Those those files or the DVDs or however you want to watch it that will be around. So if there's sure. you know more power to them if they do three four seasons I can catch up anytime later. Absolutely. Um, we're not watching it now. We're watching a lot of other things, but. We also I own, for example, most of the seasons, if not all, of West Wing, which I rewatch we 're rewatching mm-hmm. that kind of now and it 's a feel good thing it 's i think it 's aaron sorkin 's best work by the way uh, i 'm watching on my exercise rowing machine i 'm watching Sports Night, which my brother loved it's it 's fun it 's another sorkin thing it 's you know watch it on your bicycle that 's all I can say it 's not you know it 's old and it 's not the greatest thing in the world, but it 's twenty two minutes long and so you know, they have got a lot of stuff that I watched that's not that recent. Uh, we just went through the third time of Frasier, probably, which has some very funny, immensely funny scenes in it. Anyway, enough of the past. This is going to be the uh, angina monologues, I guess.
1: Is it plural or singular? I don't have to look that up. Well, you only uh, uh, you only have one angina, I guess. <laughs> so it's well, like it's, but the, the angi- but, but, but there are several monologues. See, so yes, the yeah, the vagina monologue. I think it is a, a plural. Anyway, I, I want to give one quick shout okay. out. If people are listening, if you're looking for a cool radio station that you can listen to online, it's called uh, WMVY. It's um, in Cape Cod, and it's of old. Decades-old freeform, it's the old radio, the radio you and I loved listening to, mm-hmm. where you could hear jazz and blues and rock and roll and folk singers, and there was no stereotypical sound to the station, and the DJs could do whatever they wanted. Well, last year, the station went off the air because of budget reasons. They put out a call within days. People from everywhere... Shipped in and supported them. They came back on the air as an online radio station. It's uh, mvyradio.com. And in April, the transmitter is going back live so that people in the Cape area can listen to it. But you can listen on the, on the, the internet. You can listen on uh, in if you use the TuneIn app or iTunes, mvyradio.com, the playlist is just absolutely amazing. It can be blues, jazz, rock and roll, singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. They have like small concerts. Uh and it's almost like it's just programmed by the people there who love music. And so it's it's a to me it's a feel good story because it's a, it's local people and people that were around the world who said you know what we don't want to completely let this kind of radio die. All almost all of it has. Yep. So that's why I I feel uh, passionate about telling people go listen to it. Go listen to it if you like it. Help out if not. You know at least still listen to it. But it's great free form radio the way it used to be, and sadly, pretty much is not anymore. So that's my spiel.
0: Excellent. Excellent recommendation. Well, with that, I think that we should remind people that you can find us at leavethebottlepodcast.com. Brand new. We're going to be bringing some guests in to wander around with us and talk about all kinds of things involved in life. Main thing we talk about, though, are things that we've experienced. So...
1: Are you experienced? (laughs) I am.